0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Amen. Would you raise your hands all of this great sanctuary one more time and just begin to praise Him, for He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. You you that are here tonight in this great sanctuary, you that are watching online, he is worthy. He is worthy. Say that with me, please. He is worthy. Come on, say it again. He is worthy. One more time, say it again. He's worthy. Yes, he's worthy. He is wonderful. And he is welcome in our midst tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Raise your hands all of this great sanctuary. Just begin to praise Him. Begin to adore Him one more time. Just begin to magnify His name. Hallelujah. I extol Thee, my God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I love You, my God. 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 I love Him. The Bible tells us, He that is forgiven much, loveth much. The Bible tells us we love Him because He first loved us. And, church, I love Him, I love Him, I love Him. He's my all in all, Pastor Bruce. He's my everything, Pastor Sandy. Where would we be without the Lord on our side? Oh, can somebody shout, "He's He's He's here tonight! 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 I know the numbers are not quite as it were in times past, but you know it doesn't matter. Because our God has moved from the book of Numbers to the Book of Acts. Amen. And guess what? He's with us. 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 now don't get bent out of shape because of numbers. Because when crowns become a criteria, you need another trip to Calvary. He did it for me, he did it for you. He'll do it for whoever will. He's a mighty God. Raise your hands and praise him. Babaya. I, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Look at me. Right there, sweetheart, you raise up both hands. Yes, hi. God said that to you, you've been waiting upon him. And God says, as you continue to wait upon him, as you're waiting, he's working. You think it's not going to happen. But God said that the things you've been crying out for for some time now, it's been going on and on and on. You're saying, but God, is it ever going to be? But God said, you wait upon me because they have to wait upon the Lord shall rise up, mount up strong. And as you continue to wait upon him, God says, he's going to work mightily for you. He's doing it even now. Even behind the scenes, Said, Lord, God is moving you in these areas you've been believing God for. You've been crying out for, for a long, long time. And God said, the answer, the manifestation is on the way. And it's sooner than you can imagine. It's coming, it's coming, and it won't be long. Come on, shout amen somebody. Oh! Aren't you glad the Lord is here? Aren't you glad the Lord is here? Raise your hands up, honey, in the back row there. I don't know you, but the Heavenly Father does. And yeah, you've gone through some rough and tough times, especially in the last few years. I mean, you've gone through some times you said, I can't go on. You felt like just giving up even on the things of God. You felt I just can't go on. I can't press on. I mean, you've been knocked down, walked on. You've been stomped on. Hell has tried to use you like a doormat. You've gone through a lot of loss. A lot of loss, especially in the last few years. But God said, my daughter, I've not forgot about you. You cried out time and time again, God, do you care about me? Do you know about me? And God said, I've been with you every step of the way. And I promised in my word that I would never fail thee nor forsake thee. I'm be, you're gonna see things turn. Get ready, get ready. Before the coming of summer, you're gonna see some things begin to change. That in the natural, they'll say there is no way. But God said before the summer begins to roll around, say part, you'll see me move in a great amount of so even I'll begin to rejoice because the answer, the change, the difference is on the way, so get ready, get ready, it's coming your way. Come on, shout amen. Oh, give the Lord a shout of praise, hallelujah he's a mighty God church he's a mighty God he's a mighty God can somebody shout amen 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 amen. you may be seated for just a moment I'm so glad I got him here tonight one more time at Passion Church this great church I love you, saints, especially I love your pastors. I'm beloved and appreciate our pastors. Come on, shout. Amen, amen. We love you. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, but don't go too far away. Hallelujah. Oh, God is good. God is good. Hell would say to many of you, it's over, it's over, it's over. I've got a word for you. It's not over because of Passover. Amen. It's not over. I like to say this. It's not over till the fat angel sings. Amen. God is going to work it out. God's going to turn around. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Woo, hallelujah, somebody. I was ministering in Chesterfield, Michigan two weeks ago, and I stepped up to preach the word. I love to preach the word. How many of you love the word? Come on, shout yes. Yes. I love his word. I love his word. But I got up to preach the word. Somebody said, do you got to preach? No, no, no. I don't got to preach. I get to preach. But I got up to preach the word. And I looked over, and there was the praise and worship leader on the front row. And she was leading great praise and worship, but she sat down. I looked over, and she's a very, you know, slim lady, very petite lady. But as I looked at her, I promise, all of a sudden I saw Something. All of a sudden, her stomach started growing out. It looked like she swallowed a basketball or watermelon. I said, Lord, he said, I want you to tell her that God is moving down there and it's not gonna be like it was before. And I said, and I hear the baby crying. Well, she began to rejoice. She began to shout. I walked over there. I said, honey, I said, just lay your hands right there on the womb area. I said, God said that he's moving down there and it's not going to be like it was before. And I hear the sound of a baby crying. Well, she got so happy. I mean, she got downright Pentecostal. Come on now. It's okay to get Pentecostal because how many of them, some of our forefathers were all Pentecostal? Come on now. I'm talking about Oral Roberts. I'm talking about Kenneth Hagan. I'm talking about Smith Wigglesworth. I'm talking about Charles Mason. Come on now. And so many others. I mean, they were all Pentecostal. How many of you are Pentecostal? Anybody come on, talk to me now. Somebody said, if you weren't Pentecostal, what would you be? I'd be ashamed. Come on now. But she started getting so happy in the Lord. I mean, she started getting, I'm talking about exuberant in her praise. And uh, and I just let it go on for a moment. And then she said, I got to say something. I got to say something. She said, uh, I was going to hold off till later to find out what was happening. She said, because in times past, I had a miscarriage. Some of you know that. But you know what? My brother Danny said, lay your hands upon, there, upon your womb, and God is moving there, and it's not going to be like it was before. I hear the sound of the baby crying. She's I knew, I knew, I knew. It was time to tell the whole church. She said, two days ago, the doctor told me I was pregnant. Come on, shout amen. Woo! And church, I believe right now, I can look at you. And I'm not talking about in the natural I'm not talking about in the natural, but I'm talking about in the realm of the spirit. I look at some of you right now, and I can see that you are pregnant. You're pregnant. You're pregnant with the dream. You're pregnant with a vision. Come on, you're pregnant with a promise. Oh, Glory to God, somebody. Sandra, you're pregnant. With a vision, with a dream, with a goal, with a promise. Some things God spoke to you. You, Pastor Bruce you're pregnant. I'm talking about with the spiritual and I got a word for you. The things you're pregnant with, guess what? It's coming soon. It's already in the birth canal. Come on, shout amen. Woo! Do you believe that? Come on, shout amen. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I hear one word saying over and over in my spirit, change. Change, honey. I don't know what's going on, but God says, "Get ready. There's a change that's coming. You're about ready to see something different take place in your life. Hell's come against you to try to sift you because He knows that God is about ready to shift you. Hallelujah. There's a mighty change, a change that is coming. How many you ready for a mighty change, a good change? Come on, shout, Amen. I'm talking about a mighty shift and the things of the Spirit. Come on, if you're ready for it, shout, Amen. Oh, glory to God, I'm ready to preach tonight, hallelujah. Well, how many have your Bibles with you tonight? Why don't you just, oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. How many have your Bibles with you tonight? Why don't you just hold them up high and just torment the devil? Come on, church. I want you to say this after me, please. Say, I'm a warrior for the Lord. With my two-edged sword. I'm armed and dangerous with the word of God. The church, I want you to take it and shake it in the devil's face. After many times I've been here, haven't you got it yet? I said, shake it in the devil's face. Come on now, I mean, some of you did this number here. No, one of you got problems, honey. He's to be under our feet. Come on. He's to be, no, one more time, just take it and shake it in the devil's face. Oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. Hallelujah, Woo! God is good. If you have your Bibles, would you turn, please, to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. That comes right there, 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Notice in two verses of scripture. Once again, the 2nd Samuel chapter 23, two verses of scripture, verses, here it is, verses 11 and 12. And after him was Shammah. Everybody shout Shammah. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji the higher right. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. Where it was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But Shammah stood in the midst of the ground. And defended. And slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Now you to notice verse number 12 once again. The latter part of the verse. It tells us this. But he stood, come on, shout that please, but he stood, one more time, but he stood, and hear me, if Shamma stood, guess what, we can stand as well, I want to minister tonight for just a few moments along these lines, enough is enough, come on, say that please, enough is enough, one more time, enough is enough, Father God, we thank you for your word, Your word is life-giving. Your word is life-changing. Father, I believe tonight because of your word, we will never, ever be the same again. We thank you, now we bless you, and all of God's people said together, amen. But it tells us, but Shammah stood. Now, who was Shammah? Shammah was one of David's mighty men. Shammah was not only a mighty man of valor and a tremendous warrior, but also Shammah was a farmer in the land of Israel. Now here in this portion of scripture, something was happening. And the thing that is happening was the same thing that had been happening time after time, again and again. And the scene was bad. And my friend, the same thing is happening in your life time after time, again and again. And it's a bad scene, but guess what? It's time to change the scenery. But I want you to see this scene here in Samuel chapter twenty-three, verses eleven and twelve. Now remember, Shammah was a mighty man of war. He was a tremendous warrior. He was a mighty. He was a David's mighty, mighty man, but also he was what a farmer. I want you to see him right now. Shammah was down in the valley, down in the field of lentils. We don't call a field of lentils. We just call it a pea patch. Okay, but Shem was down there in the field of lentils with all the other Israelites, and they're working diligently to gather in the fruits of the labor, to gather in the crops, to gather in their harvest. Can you see them now? Can you get a picture of them now, down in the field of lentils in the pea patch? They're trying to gather in the harvest, but on the hillside. Somebody else was there. They could see them down in the valley. Who was there? There's a troop of Philistine soldiers upon the horses. And those Philistine soldiers, they come there for one reason. I mean, the same reason they came time after time, again and again, year after year. Why is that? Because they came because they were after one thing. What was it? They were after the harvest. That's why they came and attacked the people of God because they were after the harvest. Let me ask this question. Has anybody here other than me ever gone through a time of attack? Let me see your hands. Has anybody in the past year gone through some attacks? The past few months, past few weeks, past few days? If I see hours and you raise your hand, we're gonna have a prayer line. Come on down. Yes, attacks will come, but remember this. An attack is simply an indication that you are not conquered yet I'll say it again an attack is simply an indication that you are not conquered yet let hell come against you hell rages but you're safe in the rock of ages amen hell may come against you in many ways but you're safe in the ancient of days but you see they came against the people of God because they were after what the harvest. Come on, say that. The harvest. Now you can study the word of God and all through the old testament. Every single time that the enemies of God, I'm talking about the Philistines, as we see here, the Philistines, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, the Parasites, etcetera, etcetera. Every single time that the enemies of God came against God's people. They came against God's people where Harvest time. Mark it out. Every time they came against God's people, they always came against God's people. When it harvest time in church, hear me. If the enemy is coming against you right now, if you've been attacked, assaulted, bombarded right now, you can know this. If the enemy is attacking you right now, then guess what? It is your harvest time. Come on, shout amen and know this, the enemies come against this great land of ours. The enemy has been attacking us in so many ways, but my friend, I've got a word for you. For our great country, America, it is harvest time. We're about to see the greatest move of God that we've ever seen before. We're about to receive a great awakening again. We're about to receive a mighty move of God that's been prophesied and days come by, but some of the great, great, mighty prophets of old in these days will see God move what right, never before if you're ready come on shout amen 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 it is our harvest time and they're perched on the hillside looking down the valley in that field of little that pea patch and all of a sudden the leader of that Philistine troop gives the signal all of a sudden, they come off the top of the hillside, coming down, down, down the hillside, down into the valley, into the field of lentils And when they begin to come down, that troop of Philistine soldiers, what happened? The Bible tells us that all the Israelites, they begin to what? Flee. You see, when you're attacked, typh- there's two things you can do. Number one, you can flee. And number two, you can fight. Number one, you can, you can surrender or number two, you can stand. And I don't know about you, beloved, but I made up my mind a long time ago that I'm going to stand and fight. You've got to make up your mind. Why? Because a made-up mind is a battle already won. Come on now. Um. But they begin to come down upon the Israelites in that valley. And all of a sudden, Shammah looks over. He sees the Israelites begin to run in every direction. He sees the dust being kicked up. And he hears the commotion hears people yelling and screaming and he turns to see what's going on and when Shammah turns guess what? He sees the enemy the Philistine soldiers coming down upon him and Shammah knew where they were coming after. They were coming after what? The harvest but all of a sudden Shammah he had just reached over. He grabbed a handful of peas off the vine. Has anybody other than me ever gone pea picking? Come on now. Oh, yeah. But Shammah reached over. He grabbed a handful of peas off the vine. I'm talking about, it was a big old handful of peas. El Jumbo size. Come on now. And he reached over and a handful of peas. He had those peas in his hand. He looks and sees those Philistine soldiers coming toward them. And all of a sudden, Shammah says to himself, he said, no more, no more, no more. He began to grip those peas a little bit tighter. He says, these are my peas. These are my peas. These are my peas. He said, I love peas. He said, I broke up the fallow ground. I planted the field. I watered the field. I weeded the field. I drove away the beasts to the field. I drove away the birds of the air off this field. These are mine. These are my peas. And he was sent over and over and over again to himself. Have you ever talked to yourself? I talk to myself all the time because I like good conversation. Come on now. I'm talking about Shammah has a handful of peas over there, and he began to say to himself, no more, no more, no more, and the enemy's getting closer and closer and closer. Let me tell you something. You can make up your mind that you're going to stand and fight, and the enemy will keep on coming. There's something you got to do. When they were getting closer and closer, all of a sudden, Shammah, he holds that handful of peas in the air. And he was saying to himself, this is my harvest. You're going to do the same thing, church. Now, what is your harvest? Your harvest is everything that God has given you. Your harvest is whatever has been promised you, been promised out over your life. What is your harvest? It's the salvation of your home. It's the healing of your bodies. It's a dead free lifestyle. Come on now. It's restoration for the family members that have turned away from God. What is it? That is your harvest. And like Shammah, you've got a whole but handful of peas up in the air. And Shammah said, no more. No more. No more. But all of a sudden, the enemy got closer and closer and closer. And Shammar are going to shake the handful of peas there. He looks at the enemy and he says, no more. No way. Enough is enough. Come on, say that, please. Enough is enough. Come on, I want you hold your handful of peas in there. Come on, hold them up high. And I want you to be to shout it out loud and say, enough is enough. Come on one more time. Enough is enough. W, you come against my home for the last time, no more. you are got to continually rise up strong and say, I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand and fight. You need to get mad. Come on now. I'm not talking about getting mad at the guest speaker. Don't do that. I'm not talking about getting mad at your pastors. Don't do that. I'm not talking about getting mad at the person on the other side of you. But some of you need to go home tonight. You need to open up that front door. You need to walk in and point your finger at the devil. I'm not talking about your husband, honey. No, I'm talking about the devil. And say, You've come against me for the last time. You've come against my home for the last time. You've come against my marriage for the last time. You've come against my family for the last time. You've come against my health for the last time. You've come against my finances for the last time. You've come against my city for the last time. You've come against my pastors for the last time. You've come against it's this church for the last time get out of here devil in the name of Jesus come on shout amen I'm talking about you gotta rise up strong and bold and shout out what enough is enough come on say it one more time with me enough is enough what you need is the same spirit that the great saint of old Popeye the sailor man had did anybody ever watch Popeye's Sailor Man while you were growing up? Come on. Yeah, I thought you did. I did too every Saturday morning. Now every Saturday morning, Popeye's arch enemy, what was his name? Brutus. Brutus. Every Saturday morning, Brutus would come against Popeye because Brutus was after what? He was after the harvest of Popeye. He was after olive oil his main squeeze come on now. and every saturday morning bruce would make him so mad because he was after olive oil now wasn't she a darling come on down Woo! i'm talking about good looking she wasn't come on down but Papa thought he was she was and so bruce would come against Papa. Because he wanted, what? The harvest. He wanted olive oil. But how I many of that made Popeye mad? I mean, that made Popeye, it made Popeye so mad. That made him so furious. And Popeye, I mean, he can to the He said, something's got to happen. Because Bruce would come against him every Saturday morning. And every Saturday morning and every cartoon episode, every Saturday morning, Popeye would do this. He'd reach over and gra- grab his can of what? You watched it, didn't you? He'd, he'd reach over and grab that can of spinach. And before he would consume the can of spinach, he'd always say these words. He would say, I've had all I can stand. And I can stands no more. Come on now. Why don't you hold your can of spinach over there? Come on, church. Hold it up high. Come on, somebody, hold it up high. And you've got to say the same thing. I've had all I can stands and I can stands no more. I believe Papa had been reading every Shammah because Shammah said the same thing. But he put it like this. Shammah said, enough is enough, honey. You've got to be like Shammah said, enough is enough. you got to be like Papa and begin to bowl of Shalala. I've had all I can stand. Stands, and I can stand no more. Hell's going to come against you to use you as a doormat. But God said it's time to turn the tables and begin to walk on Him. You've been given power and authority, dominion and might to walk on Him, to put Him to flight. If you believe that, come on, shout. Amen, somebody. Woo! Hallelujah. But I love the words of verse number 12. It says, But He stood. Come on, say that. But He stood. And the Bible tells us, and having done all to stand, what stand? Therefore, you got to make up your mind. I'm going to stand. Hell may come against me, every way but lose. But I'm going to keep on standing. I'm going to keep on standing. I'm going to keep on standing. And beloved, as you continue to stand, there's three things you must do. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Number one, don't panic. Everybody shout, don't panic. I mean, some of when they see problems and heartaches and troubles and trials, woes, calamity, difficulties, struggles begin to come their way, what happened? They begin to what? Panic. But don't panic, don't panic. No, Shama saw the whole Philistine troop coming against him, but you know what? He didn't panic, why? Because he'd been taught in the cave of Adam by David, his mentor, his leader. And David taught them a few things to calls shaman not to begin to panic what was it david taught him the word of god david taught him one of you shall chase a thousand for the lord your god he is that fighteth of you david taught them that it may then it may come against you one way but the end will flee before you seven ways and so therefore he had the word down his heart and if you get the word down your heart guess what you don't have to panic at all everybody shot, don't panic come don't panic. I'm going to shout it again. Don't panic. I'm talking about hell may come against you, but don't panic. The doctor says, I'm sorry. You've only got six months to live. What do you say? I'm not going to panic. Come on now. I said, don't panic. When the doctor said, there's no hope, don't panic. The boss says, I'm sorry. I've got to lay you off. What do you do? Your mother-in-law decides to move in with you. What do you do? Move. Come on, shout it. Yeah. But don't panic. Don't panic. Come and shout that place. Don't panic. When the fires of hell are raging against you, what do you do? I'll say to you, when the fires of hell are raging against you, what do you do? Don't panic. Now, several years ago, I was preaching a message on the fires of hell. And I was asking the question, what do you do when the fires of hell are raging against you? Don't panic. And I was pacing back and forth in that motel room. And I walked up to the back of the motel door. And it says, in case of fire, what's the first thing it said? Don't panic. Woo, come on now. And my friend, if you're going to stand firm, stand your ground, you've got to say, I'm not going to panic. What else? If you're going to stand your ground, you've got to what? You've got to fight back. You've got to fight back. You've got to fight back. I'm talking about God has not called us to be on the defense only, but on the offense. you got to rise up strong. And, beloved, we can fight the good fight of faith. Come on, talk to me, somebody. I said we can fight the good fight of faith. Now, don't just lay back and say, well, what will be, will be. No, no, no. Beloved, you got to rise up strong like Shammah and say enough is enough is enough is enough. I mean, some of you right now, you're going through hell of back because the enemy's been coming against you. He's coming after you. What? Your harvest. But my friend, you can fight back in the name of the Lord. You can fight back. You can fight back and say, come on, me I'm not going to lay down and take it. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to flee. But I'm going to stand my ground. You can fight the good fight of faith. What is it? Number one, don't panic. Number two, fight back. And number three, are you ready for it? Don't quit. Everybody shut. Don't quit. I mean, I see so many people that are in the body of Christ in this past year, and they've given up. They've given up. I mean, so many people I see, they'll, they'll give up at the at the drop of a hat. Some even drop a hat. But I'm talking about don't give up. Come on, say that don't give up. But you see, beloved, winners never quit, and quitters quitters never win. You got to keep on keeping on. Come on, say that you got to keep on keeping on. You see, that is the eleventh commandment. Yeah, you all oh, those 10, well, I added one more. The the commandment is, yea, thou shalt not quit. Come on. You got to say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on keeping on in the name of my Lord. Come on, shout it, I'm talking, get up. You've been knocked down. Bless God. Get up one more time and keep on moving. I said, get up one more time and just keep on moving. Now, one of my favorite football players of all time, his name was Walter Payton. Walter Payton was known by certain nicknames. They called him sweetness. They called him a sweet thing. Not just the players on his team, but on other teams. I mean, Walter Payton knocked somebody down and said, I'm sorry about that, and help him back up. He says a sweet spirit about him. But not only did he have a sweet spirit, he was one of the greatest NFL running backs of all time. And when Walter Payton finished his career... A news reporter was interviewing Walter Payton. They said, Walter, now we run some numbers on you. We've looked at your stats. And we found out throughout the great illustrious career you've had, we found out that you've run a total of nine miles on the football field. And we found out that you ran for an average of four yards a carry. Sometimes he had the ball in his hand, he'd lose five yards. Sometimes he'd run for ten yards. Sometimes lose one yard. Sometimes run for thirty yards. Sometimes lose fifteen yards. And sometimes he'd go all the way for a touchdown. They said we found out that the average yardage you had every time you had the ball was four yards to carry. Also, we found out one more thing: you were tackled in your career. You were tackled four thousand times. The news reporter says, wow, that's amazing. Walter Bates said, no, 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 that's not the amazing thing. They said, if that's not the amazing thing, what is the amazing thing? He said, it's not that I got knocked down 4,000 times, but I got up four thousand and one time. Come on now. <laughs> and the news reporter said this, Walter, you think you can go out there one more time and run nine more miles? He said, I don't know if I can, but I know one thing. I can get up one more time and go for four more yards. You're going to have the same attitude about you. I'm not saying get up tomorrow morning and run nine miles, but get up one more time. Look hell in the face and say, I'm going for four more yards. In other words, you've got to say enough is enough. Come on, say that please. Enough is enough. Come on, say it again. Enough is enough. Now, my precious wife, oh, I had her in my life for 33 years. Most of you know this. My precious wife, she's in heaven now. She's the love of my life, my sweetheart, my best friend. I called her my hunk, a hunk of burning love. Well, she's in heaven now, but she was a librarian. And she always bring me books. She said, "Down, you need this. And I said, okay, I'll put it aside. You need this? Well, thank you. Put it aside. But she brought me a book one time. It's called The Life and Times of Napoleon Bonaparte. And it, it intrigued me, so I began to read the book, and there was a portion in that book talking about one of the battles. Now, Napoleon, that great little General France, he was not a quitter. He was not a loser. But this one battle they were engaged in against the enemy, Napoleon's army was outnumbered three to one. And they were in fierce conflict, fierce battle all day long. The runners kept coming back over and over again, Said Napoleon, we can't hold the line. They're breaking through the line. We can't hold them. We've been overrun here and overrun there. And Napoleon says, keep on fighting. The runners can't come back all day long. So we can't hold them. We can't hold them. They're breaking through here. They're breaking through. We can't hold the line anymore. We've been overrun. We've been slaughtered. We've been massacred. Finally, Napoleon did something that he never did before in his career. He turned to the bugle boy beside him. He never said this before to the bugle boy, but he turns this." One time, he says, quickly, begin to play retreat. And the big boy looked back at the pole and says, I can't. He said, we've been outnumbered, been slaughtered, been overrun, quickly begin to play retreat. He says, sir, I can't play retreat. He said the third time, he said, you quickly begin to play retreat or else. He says, sir, I can't play retreat. He's, you tell me why you can't play retreat. He said, "Because you never taught me how to play retreat." He said, "You pick up that horn, and you begin to play charge over and over and over and over again until you drop. You can't play them anymore." That bigger boy picked up that horn when Napoleon's army was outnumbered, but slaughtered, being cut down every side, breaking, breaking through. That big boy picked up that horn and he started playing charge 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 and the soldiers of the field Napoleon's army they knew that commandment was coming from their commander-in-chief to what not to retreat but what to charge to charge to charge and guess what that day Napoleon's army won the battle come on shout amen and right now hell is coming against you on every side Hell is coming against you to bring you down, down, down. But guess what? Our commander in chief, our blessed Lord, our master, the Lord Jesus, he's never taught us how to play retreat. But I can hear him right now in the spirit realm. He's saying what? He's saying charge, charge, charge. Come on, say it one more time with me. Charge. Say it again. Charge. Say it again. Charge. Winston Churchill, the great statesman of England during the World War II days. He finally retired and he lived a great life as a great statesman. But toward the very end of his life, in his waning days, he was a weakened body. He was a weakened body, but he still had a strong, strong mind. And he was asked to go to a university and be their commencement speaker. They gave him this great introduction. All the great accolades of Sir Winston Churchill. They said, now would you welcome Sir Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was sitting there. He didn't have one, but he had two canes. He gets up with two canes, and he begins to hobble, 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 hobble hobble to the podium. He He hangs one cane over here, one cane over there. He then looks out that day, that great graduating class. All the family and friends, the great administration, the staff, the faculty. He looks out at them. This man who's a great speaker, a great statesman, a great orator. But he looks out at that great group that day, graduating ceremony. He says three words. Never give up. He said the second time, never give up. He said it the third time, never give up. And they got his canes and hobbled back to his seat and sat down. And they began to think, why would such a great spokesman, a great statesman, a great author, only say three words, three times. And they were silent for several moments. But all of a sudden, like somebody gave them the command, all of a sudden, like a wave at a football game. People started standing, 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 standing. He started clapping, clapping, clapping. It says for over a half an hour, they gave him a standing ovation. Because they get a hold of something. They got a hold of a truth, a powerful truth. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Come on, say it, please. Never give up. Say it again. Never give up. Say it again. Never give up. It was said that from that graduating class, It became the greatest graduating class of all times from that university. Why? Because of an hour-long speech, an hour-long great oration. No, because they got a hold of something that was positive down, down, down in the depths of the being. What was it? Never give up. What am I saying to you today, beloved? I'm saying the same thing. Never give up. I'm saying the same thing. God, our Almighty, never taught us to retreat. He's called us to what? To charge. What am I saying? I'm saying. Well, I'm saying. You can get it one more time and go for four more yards. What am I saying? I'm saying. I've had all I can stand, and I can stand no more. What am I saying? Like sh- I rise up boldly and begin to say it out loud. Enough is enough. Come on, say it. Enough. Is enough. How many of you have been attacked? I asked the question a moment ago, but how many of you have ever really, really, really been attacked? I'm talking about not an it's a bitsiteny attack. Not an it's a bitsy teeny weeny storm, not an it's a bitsy teeny problem. I mean losing your remote to the television for a few moments is not a major attack, come on now. You may think so, but it's not. Driving through McDonald's and ordering a sweet tea. And when you pay for it and pick up the order, you found out somebody from up north made the deal. It was an unsweet tea. Come on now. <laughs> but how many of you have ever gone through a real attack? How many of the shaman this was, they were going through attack? Come on, talk to me now. Can I close with this? How many of you give me five minutes? Let me see your hands. You give me five minutes, I love you. How many give me 10 minutes? I love you more. How many give 15 minutes? I really love you, come on now. But I share with pastors Bruce and Sandy. As you know, as I mentioned earlier, my wife went to heaven. She got promoted 10 and a half years ago. But something happened to me. Something happened to me. No, I started traveling as an evangelist, ordained minister in April of 1973. In fact, next month I'll be traveling in ministry for 48 years. Wow. Somebody's getting older. It's not me. It must be somebody else. <laughs> but in April of 1973, I started traveling as an evangelist. And then in August of 19, 76, I've been trying for three and a half years. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to Bible college. I was here at the same time with our good friend, Dr. Vickers. And so I went there to Bible college, Southeastern Bible college in August of 1976. I've been trying for three and a half years and i was still an ordained minister and I preached all over the place when I was in Bible college. But when I was in Bible college, one of my very best friends was a girl by the name of Anne Ann Reed. I never dated her online, but I never did, but we're just close, close. We went to chapel together. We went to the library together, cafeteria together. We always together. And every spring break, fall break, Christmas break, Thanksgiving break, Easter break, et cetera, all the breaks. I drove her home to Mobile, Alabama. Come on, And then I drive on home to Montgomery. I myself, pick her back up, drive there. Her daddy was a pastor. Her daddy was a pastor. I preach for him. Her daddy loved me. He really loved me. Well, after the second year, the sophomore year, she got married. And I didn't see her for 42 years. 42 years. But back in the first part of December, I was on Facebook and, and I was scrolling down and said, Oh, and I saw her after 42 years. And I, I clicked on to be your friend. She was my friend. They weren't best friends back then. But on 42 years, I clicked on, Will you be my friend? I don't, normally I don't click on, you know, be, they, people click me all the time. I got about a thousand people right now. I need to go through and say yes or no. But, but anyhow. And so she accepted my friendship and she, she messaged me about it two or three minutes later. She said, Dan, it's been too long. We need to catch up. Call me. I messaged her back. I said, I would if I had your phone number. Come on <laughs> home. So she gave, I called her. We started talking. I said, What's going on today? She said, I'm on my way to a conference, ministering and a women's conference. I said, Yeah, what's going on? She said, This past year has been a rough year. I said, Well, it's been a rough year for everybody but this Koran, Moron devil. She he said, yes, that too. But back in February, my husband passed away. I said, and I knew it was. I didn't know that because had, I hadn't been in contact in 42 years. And I said, well, my, my wife passed away a number of years ago. She knew my wife, but they weren't calling. she I didn't know that. I didn't know that. We began to talk. We began to talk. We began to talk. We began to talk. And we talk every day now, three to four hours a day. Come on now. You see, they traveled for 17 years as evangelists. Then 25 years ago, they started a church. She was co-pastoring with them. And he passed away. Now she's the lead pastor. She's the senior pastor of the church. And we started talking. We talked three to four hours a day. We've talked upwards to six, seven, seven, eight hours a day in one day. Come on out. We've talked every day on the phone. I've talked to her about five times already today. Come on out. We pray on the phone every day. We have communion on the phone every single day. I've gone down to see her bunches of times already. Well, guess what? She loves me. I love her. She loves me. I'm as happy as I can be. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! And at the right time, of God's and guess what we will going to do? Yeah, yeah, get married. Come on now. Yeah. And since I when she's a pastor. Guess what I might be doing? I may be moving back to Sweet Home, Alabama. Come yeah. on now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because she's still a pastor. I'm still traveling. I can travel out of Mobile, Alabama. just disease. I can travel out of Roanoke, Virginia. But you see, I'm talking about being attacked. The church, you think you've been attacked? She was attacked. She was attacked. She got married in 1978 and in 2005, she was attacked with six major diseases in her body at one time. She was attacked, first of all, with lupus. And how many without Jesus, lupus is incurable? She was attacked with lupus. And then she was attacked with shingles in her body. They said the worst case of shingles ever seen. From the top of her head down, her body, front and back, huge, huge blisters, shingles, the worst case ever recorded there. They said even if she's healed for that, she'll be scarred the rest of her life. She doesn't have one scar on her body. Heart seizures, continue. seizures, fast out. then she out. Then she's fluid started booting up from her feet, her ankles, and legs. And she by about, about three times her size. What's happening? Complete kidney failure, failure, and then she had double pneumonia. This all going at the same time. Because in the midst of all, she was bedridden for two years, and she couldn't stand to have any undergarments on or sheet over clothes. that would cause so much pain. In the two years, she was we've been in and out of comas off and on for two years. One time she died. After a long, long period of time in the hospital, they allowed her to go home. And she was starting to convulse her heart. Attack, and begin to you know, begin the flu build up, coming up, regurgitating. And her husband, you know, leaned her over so she wouldn't suffocate on the on the liquids and so forth and suffocating. He then grabbed the landline phone, called her, said, It's happening again. I gotta bring you in there. said, you can't do this. Because the hospital's an hour away. It's going to take 20 to 25 minutes before the paramedics can going to get there. You've got to do a tracheotomy on her, her right now. So he, holding her halfway upside down, the landline under his hand with a knife, he did a tracheotomy on her. Saved her life. Another time, we even entered out of unconsciousness. We've, the, she rose up and all of a sudden something happened. She died. Her heart quit beating. Her skin began to change. She was dead. D-E-A-D, dead. I mean, she was gone. He jumped over there to where she was and said, Father God, you said in your word that we would live and not die Declare the works of the Lord. You spirit of death, I command you to leave and life come back in her body. And she came back. I mean, going up and down, up and down. Yes, she blew up, but then they got better control, but still the kidney thing, everything. And she dropped about 80, 70, 80 pounds roughly skin and bones and several times the doctor says call the family and she cannot live no more than a few minutes maybe an hour or two at the most she can't make it she can't live because all of the hell was coming against her it was getting worse worse. she went and then what happened next a flesh-eating virus attacked her throat her esophagus and her vocal cords eating away eating away the throat the esophagus the vocal cords and the doctor said we've got to remove your vocal cords and, uh-uh, 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 uh uh-uh. because I've been called to sing. She's a great psalmist, a great singer. Her and her husband, you know, the, I mean, they traveled, and she was a great singer. She's today. No, 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 no. But it got worse and worse and worse, and she went into a coma again, another coma, and the flesh-eating virus completely ate her way. Totally out of her vocal cords. He said she, would never, she won't live, but if, even if she did live, she, she'll never be able to speak again. And the throat of this compass, it was like raw, raw, raw red hamburger meat. She'll be dead in just a little while. Call the family. And if you want to see her one more time, you better hurry now. Hurry now. Hurry now. I'm talking about six major diseases at one time in her body. How many hell was coming against Her after the harvest of the ministry she had. But she was in a coma again. The fleshy environment, so they could bleed, eaten away told 100% all of her vocal cords. But she's a great teacher of the word, a great preacher of the word. She can preach a lot better than I can, and a great singer, a great psalmist. And she was in the coma. The doctors didn't go in two by twos. The family members they very brushed over because she won't last long. You gotta go in, you gotta wear a gown, you got to wear gloves up to here. you got to wear a mask with a face shield. you gotta, you got to stand back. Don't even get close to her. Just stand back. And whatever you do, do not dare touch her. Because that flesh-eating virus is all around her. It can jump on you. But one of her sisters, she's one of the living kids going on. One of her sisters said, I don't care what that doctor says. I'm going to pray for my sister. Reach reached over her. her? her sister and her brother-in-law, they reach early hands upon her. They begin to take authority over that force out of hell, the sickness, diseases. I command, I command, I command this body to line up to the word of God. What are they saying? They say she suffered so long. She's gone through tears and out of comas and all the hell has been raging against her. She's even died, but God brought her back. I mean, she's going through a hell and bad. What are they saying? They were saying, "What well, enough is enough. They said, I don't care what the doctor said. We're not supposed to lay hands upon anybody or get closer. But they laid their hands upon her. They said, In the name of Jesus, I command this body to line up to the Word of God. And I command this body to come alive again. I command this body to line up to the healing plan of Almighty God. And all of a sudden, Annie was in that coma. She rose up out of the coma, and she started speaking in tongues so loud. She was heard to the very, very far, far end of the, of the hallway. And people started running. She was screaming to loud. People started coming in. The doctors, the nurses, the orderlies, the janitors looking in. And she was just speaking out. And then she finally went from tongues to praising God and her understanding. And that same doctor comes in who said she'll be dead in a little while. She has no vocal cords. She was saying, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 What is she doing? She said, she's praising God. She can't do that. She has no vocal cords. Well, she's doing it. Come on now. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, honey, let me look down your throat with that instrument. He looked down there, and the throat and the surface were like raw red red hamburger meat. He looked down there. It was completely healed over her. not a scar he said i can see that but what i can't figure out is this where in the world did she get those new vocal cords come on now god recreated come on shout amen and other things begin to come against her but her family her family for so long they stood firm and what were they saying three words come on what is the church enough is enough say it again Enough is enough. And I don't know what's coming against you. It could be an attack out of hell. I hope not like it was with her. Six major diseases at one time. But guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Woo! You like Shama. You like Papa. You like Walter Payton. Come on now. You look like Napoleon Bonaparte. You like Winston Churchill. You like my my sweeter Anne. You can rise up bold in the face of it all when hell is coming against you to tear you down 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 guess what you can do and shout out what three words enough is enough come on say it again enough is enough come on say it one more time please enough is enough will you stand please will you stand hallelujah 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 Oh, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Hallelujah. Begin to play, if you would, my brother. Amen. There it is in the key of H. That's for what? Hallelujah. That's for Hosanna. That's for Holy Ghost. That's for help us, Lord. Now, I was going to preach a different message. I promise I was going to preach a different message. I was going to preach on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of those Shadrach, Meshach, and a minute ago, they were attacked. Come on now. They were thrown in the fire furnace. But I believe in that furnace, they shouted out what? Enough is enough. We're not going to take it anymore. I know the king had them thrown in the furnace. It was heated up seven times hotter. It got worse and worse and worse and worse, hotter and hotter and hotter. But guess what? Somebody showed up. Because Daniel chapter 3, verse 25 says, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar said, lo, I see four men loose. Everybody shall loose. You know, when, they, when they were thrown in, they were bound up, cords and ropes around the wrists and around their ankles. But King Nebuchadnezzar said, lo, I see four men what? Loose, walking in the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth. Is like unto the Son of God. You see, that furnace was heated up seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. Maybe for you, I don't know what you're going through, beloved. I don't know what you're facing, what you're up against. But maybe you feel like you have been going through a situation. It's got worse and worse and worse and worse. But it said, Lord, see, four men loose walk in the fire. They have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. The king says, open in that furnace and let them go. And when they came walking out of that furnace, guess what? The clothes was not burned. The body was not burned. The hair wasn't even sinned. But the only thing that was burned was the cords and ropes that had them bound.